How are you this fine morning, my love? So much better now that you're in my life. Likewise. Always. Always. Yes. yes. Always. Um, usually I'm always complaining about holidays decorating like way too soon, but my grocery store is like Halloween to out and it's not even October and I am motherfucking here for it. Not upset at all. There's Fuck a yes. house in my neighborhood that literally has two of the giant 50 foot skeletons and I'm like, uh, <gasps> hello, can we be best friends? I know. Once I thought I was like, oh, I need to go for another. I was like in an Uber at the time and I was like, I need to go for a walk and take pictures of this because this is literally Monique's dream house. It is my dream house. Yeah, they went all out. They literally put a Pennywise, full-size Pennywise doll on a motorcycle in front Get of their house. Get the fuck out. Yes. I don't know who these people are, but we need to become best friends, for real. I'm obsessed. Oh, yeah. There, When I was growing up, there was this house that they went all the fuck out for every fucking holiday. Like, all the fuck out. It was incredible. And we used to take a detour on the way home from school just to, like, drive by the house. I love that. And for Christmas, they would do the same thing, but they would do like a Toys for Tots, like drop off too. So since people were coming to like gawk at the house anyway, you might as well drop off a toy for an underprivileged child, which I'm like, fuck yes, I love this. Yes, that's really sweet. I admire those people so much and I wish I could be that person, but that is just so much time and effort that I do not have. 10,000%, <laughs> one, two, I would just leave my house as a Halloween house. Be like, yes, yeah, yes. Also, we live in apartments, so it's not like I can have the 50 foot skeleton in front of my apartment and or in my apartment. Right. Uh, um, maybe. Did I buy two skulls from Michael's recently? Yeah, you yes. did. Did I need them? Of course I did. Why would you ask a fucking silly question? That was a rhetorical question, obviously. Yeah. Who doesn't need an extra two skulls in their apartment? Thank you. I think I'm up to like 13 or 15 skulls in my apartment. You know what? Buy one more, round it up. We need an even number. Let's do this. See, I like an odd and prime. <gasps> I actually secretly do too, but I know everyone's obsessed with even numbers. Like This is the fingers of the eyes, Amy. Yes. This is why we're yes. like soulmates. Mm, sevens are my fucking jam, man. Anytime yeah. anything lands on a seven, I'm like, this feels good. This feels right. Five, 13, 29. That's my jam. Nice. I love Very it. Very nice. Yeah. It has occurred to me that I'm pretty sure, like, not only did we forget and introduce the podcast a little late, I'm pretty sure we straight up forgot to introduce the podcast for the past <laughs> three episodes. Are you serious? Just Is that many? Oh, fuck. I think so. Damn. Think about it. Right? This is another fucking horror podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Monique Sanchez. I made me train. While we're talking about. In case about, you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While we're talking about massive fuck ups. Oh, no. In listening back to the last episode, I don't know if this happens to other people, where you think a thing and then you say the thing and you're like, yeah, I totally said the thing I thought. My mouth nope. didn't go rogue and just say some <laughs> it other said shit. said whatever it wanted to say. That is not what happened in the last episode. Uh, clarification. I did not go to college at 13 years old. I'm not a wonderkind. I went at 18, I like everyone like else. I feel like I caught I'm not that, fucking and smart. I was just like, uh, maybe I miss. I was so tired when I was doing that that I was like, maybe I misheard the setup no. for this story. I was like, uh, I clearly am just misremembering here. No, I listened to it twice because I'm like, I heard that wrong because I didn't go to college at 13. <laughs> and then I listened to it again. I was like, nope, I sure fucking said that. I said that. Uh, no, I am not a genius by any standards my standardized test told me that i was emphatically not one uh so no i didn't go to college at 13 i went at 17 
and I went away at 18, uh, like everyone else. <laughs> but that needed to be stated in case anyone was under the impression that I was somehow a genius. I assure you that's not the case. <laughs> it was a very long, very exhausting week for both Monique and I last week. So it sure was. The fact that yes. we like, made it to our jobs and got everything done and still managed to put out an episode of the podcast is honestly kind of a miracle. So <laughs> I will take like 90% coherence over uh, what I was expecting that to be, which was basically just hot gibberish. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> on um, my end, not on your end. You're always amazing, obviously. Oh, stop. Stop. You're amazing as well. No, because you were not the one who said... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not go to college at 13. Um... <laughs> Also, Robert fucking Durst finally got convicted of a fucking crime. Shut the fuck up! Did he really? He got convicted of murdering Susan Berman. (gasps) Oh, you just gave me chills. I'm so fucking excited. Dude, you can tell I've just been like out of the fucking news for literally a week. For sure. That's fucking crazy. How long did he got life or when did he get convicted? He's he's going to be uh, sentenced, I believe, on the 18th of October, I believe. Uh, a cousin of mine, in reference to another situation that's uh, soul-sucking and awful in my family, said something. She was like, God lets bad people have their fun and have a good laugh to the point where they think they got away with it. And then when, when they least, because it's been so long that they've been getting away with it, when they least expect it, yeah, it just fucking hits them out of, and they're like, oh, "How did this happen?" Wait, me? me? Yeah, what? no, no, I wrote in all caps. It doesn't. That's like that's like typing something. That's not my handwriting. Yeah, yeah. And his bullshit was so outrageous. His oh new claim was like, "Okay, yes, I did write the cadaver note, but I didn't kill her." I showed up at the house and she was dead. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, but I can't call the cops. So I'm going to write the cadaver note instead. Cool. Of course you didn't kill her. Of course. Sure, Jan. Yeah, thanks. Okay. <sighs> but yeah, it finally fucking happened. And now his first wife's family are like, all right. Let's do this. Westchester DA, get on it. Fucking like, let's get some justice here. We fucking know what the fuck happened, obviously. Yeah. I mean- I think that one's going to be really tough because they don't have a body, so you can't actually prove Ooh, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Take a note. If there's no body, it's really hard to prove a crime. Yeah. So I think that one's going to be a much tougher one to prosecute. For sure. Because the way the family sing it as, well, the motive that they posited for Susan Berman's murder was that they reopened the case into Kathy's disappearance. And that Kathy literally knew where the body was buried and that's why he killed her so she wouldn't talk to the cops because because she he knew that she was going to be talking like that the cops were going to be interviewing her soon okay and that she knew the fucking she knew the she shit. knew the fucking team yeah. yeah because she became like the unofficial like spokesperson for robert durst yeah when all that shit was going down yeah I'm just picturing Fred Armisen in my head right now, and I just, like, I can't. It, it's the only way that Fred Durst, or sorry, Fred Durst, this is a Limp Biscuit now. Oh. I Robert Durst becomes tolerable. Before bringing this up, I had to tell myself ten times, don't call him Fred Durst. I love you so much. I fucking love Thank you, you, man. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, just keep rolling, guys. Just keep rolling, 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 rolling. rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Well, I told myself that, and I still called him Frenders. So there you go. Because I write, I try to write notes of things that I, you know, things of note and or things that I fucked up in the last. <laughs> So I was writing, I was like, nope, not Fred Durst, it's Robert Durst. Not Fred Durst, goddammit. Yeah. No, the only, like, true crime news I really uh, kept up on this week was, which, weirdly. Gabby Petito? Yes. Yeah. An Uber driver told me about it, and I was like, oh, shit, I hadn't heard about this. So then I, like, looked it up in the Uber while I was talking to him, and then I, a few days later, they found her body, and I was like, fuck, dude. Yeah. The thing that I've been thinking of a lot in the unfolding of all of this was a conversation with queen grace grace, grace! We fucking love you i miss her i feel like it's been a hot minute i know grace come back to new york also we've just been in our caves of <laughs> inundated with work but i remember when we asked her if there was ever like a crime scene that she came across that it wasn't what it looked like and she was like basically no like for the most part yeah it's there's a reason there's a pattern it's always the boyfriend it's always the husband it's yeah. very rarely not and the the body cam footage of the cop, like you know, it, their gave me thing, chills. and that she was like, like assaulting her. Just break up. Yeah. What is the issue? Right. I just can't. I just. It's so sad and so senseless, and it really is. Um. Yeah. The whole the whole thing is very sad and senseless, and she's what like twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, like, I think. Fuck. Oh my God. Just awful. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And unnecessary. Yeah. Fuck. I will say the one thing that like was not even uplifting about it, but like was encouraging was that like how many people focused on this and tried to help like so many people online, like so many whatever amateur detectives they want to call them, like so many true crime lovers and fanatics like yeah. stepped up to try to fucking help. Yeah. Hopefully, this like group of people looking out for everyone is going to help deter this from happening in the future. That's like the one consolation that I'm trying to like give myself in this whole situation. Yeah, God willing, I don't know. Just, just be cool, man. And if you don't like someone, be like, cool. I don't fuck with you anymore. Goodbye. Just leave them alone. Get the fuck out of there. Be like, get it. Get an Uber. Get an Airbnb. Yeah. Goodbye. You don't need to be there. You can leave at any time. Yeah, you don't have to kill someone. You don't. That's actually an option. Yep. All of the time. Yep. Just pick up and leave. It's not great. It's not cool to go somebody and just fuck off. But like, I would take that over being murdered. Yeah. Literally every single time. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. On a less distressing, somewhat distressing, but less distressing, I have a bruise on my ass that is... <laughs> I was not expecting that. Thank you, Mrs. The Back, size... Lady. Of a small country. How? I have no idea how the fuck I got this. Oh, no. But it's like, because it like the first day I was like, I feel like a bruise is coming in. I looked and I was like, there's nothing, nothing's there. So I guess not too bad. The next day it was like a royal purple. Ooh. So I'm like, I should remember this. Like, this is significant enough. I should remember this. Yeah. Like this hurt when it happened. Yeah. I do not recall. Nothing at work? Nothing? Where? Oh, it's on your butt. You it's on my right? butt. And I'm not, you know, living a fun life. So, uh, <laughs> so nothing that you perverts <laughs> might be thinking. Not perverts is amazing. Um, These are our people, Monique. Yeah. Goddamn fucking right. <laughs> I'm a pervert. I just don't have time to be a pervert. That's my problem. I'm being responsible. 
Wah, wah. I'm a very busy And here's the thing. I, you know, I've mentioned before, I'm a long person, so I lose track of where everything is. So I like bump into shit all the time. Your butt's hard to lose track of, though. Yes. You know, th- I, I feel like you would have had to like bump a door or like bump into a table or like fall on it. Like I assume what? that I like really hardcore bumped into the corner of a table because especially my height, I think that's likely the corner would be like butt height. Okay. I don't know. It's the newest mystery. Start another podcast on the, the bruise on my butt. Hosted by Monique Sanchez. Uh, I mean, I'm worried that your incubus is back, obviously, and he's now moved on to uh, butt stuff. So I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, I definitely did consent to that. Uh, (laughs) I did think about it for a second, but I'm like, that's really aggressive. Yeah. Not that like sitting on me and scratching me wasn't aggressive, but. That's like next level. Yeah. I'm trying to be chill about it. Yeah. Yeah. It just hurts when I sit down because I have a huge fucking bruise on my butt. It's really unfortunate because you kind of have to like sit down. Yeah. That's like a thing you need to do. It's a thing. Well, I'm not bruised to shit, but I am pretty sunburned. Uh, I faded a little bit now, but yeah, I went to the beach for the first time in like fucking two years. So. Oh shit. Yes. And of course my SPF 60 only worked so well for so long. You got to reapply at 90 minutes. Is that what I'm supposed to? God damn it. Yes. Every 90 minutes you got to reapply. Okay, well, I didn't do that, and I got burned. <laughs> Does it and hurt, or is it just red? Eh, it's all right. Okay. So I did the worst thing imaginable after I got sunburned, which was immediately, like, go in a hot tub. Oh, fuck. Like, fuck it. Yeah. It was so good, though. I I, uh, I love a hot tub. Can't say no to a hot tub. Girl. I'm not giving up my hot tub dreams, Monique, as we said last episode. Absolutely fucking not. Goddamn right. So, yeah. Love a hot amazing. tub. That was part of Johnny's birthday gift. I don't, like, have a hot tub where I live normally. That was a That was a special occasion. Hot tub. Give him a hot tub birthday. Hot tub birthday. Yeah. Amazing. Fuck yeah. Uh, The best was I had his friend Nico, who you guys might weirdly remember. This is a really big throwback. But yes, yes, he was the one who composed the uh, The music for, yes, the song that Johnny wrote (laughs) in the second episode. We're going real back now. Wow. Episode two. Episode two. so yeah, Nico came to visit and we surprised Johnny. Johnny didn't know he was coming. I snuck out of the house. And then when Johnny texted me like, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm at the grocery store. Meanwhile, I was driving to LaGuardia to pick up Nico. So then I like brought him back with me and we like hid him on a park bench. And then I pretended I had a bunch of groceries in the car that Johnny needed to come like, quote unquote, help me with. And then like I popped the trunk and he's like looking in the trunk all confused like there's no groceries in here. And then Nico walked up behind him and he was like, wait, what? Wait, what? What the fuck? Who? The, what? I love it. Oh, it was uh, amazing. Dude, you it nailed this birthday. I did kind of nail this birthday. It, it went very well. It went better than I expected. Got best friend, hot tub. Fuck yeah. Every great comedian in Ever. existence. Oh, yes. It's going to be hard to top this one though. I think I kind of yeah. I shot my load for sure. Yeah, you got to break up. Yeah. You can't top it. <laughs> Start with somebody new, just like. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I I did something similar with my uh, my ex. We started dating January 25th and Valentine's Day. I like did like one of the most thoughtful gifts I've ever done in my life. And I was like, well, fuck. Literally three weeks in. I'm like, I can't top this. It's like that was the greatest thing ever. Damn it. Yeah. It's only downhill from here. It's only downhill. Absolutely. (laughs) You and I are also like very good at gift giving and like very, we're like, we'll 
Thoughtful. Pick up that yes. We'll pick up that. That seems like I was tuning my own harm, so I'm going to be like, we're so thoughtful. But you, yes, especially. No, you are too. Thank you. Uh, but it's like one of those things, like, we'll be the person who, like, you mentioned something very briefly in passing, and it's like, oh, like I'm going to tuck Six months ago. I'm going to tuck that like, away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I'm going to buy yep. you that thing that's, like, the special, like, meaningful thing that you had a connection with. So and you'd be like, oh, my God, how did you remember this? Because I'm the fucking best. That's how yes. I remember that. You're welcome. It's, am- <laughs> it's amazing, but I also agree that it's, like, really annoying to be with that person if you're not that person, because you're just like, ugh. Everything is, like, so amazing and thoughtful and, like, this is exhausting to try to keep up. <laughs> it's like the Leslie Nope thing, honestly. It's like, uh See, I've never been with someone who's been that thoughtful. Okay. So it's always me being the thoughtful one. I mean, rarer in guys. Not, you know, sure. unheard of. Not trying to diss anybody here. But- sure, of course. In my personal dating experience, I have not had that. I've not had that reciprocated to me. That being said, most of the women I know, like, above and beyond, always can fucking pull this shit out at the drop of a hat. I love it. Love it. Uh, So anything else? Or do we got some spooky? I don't think so. We can go straight into the spooky stuff if you want. Yes. We got some spooky stuff. I'm so into the spooky stuff. I can't wait. Since I feel like neither of us watched anything this week at all, because... No. Who had the time? Literally. It was like, do you want to watch something or do you want to sleep? And it's like, I would like to sleep. Thank you. Yeah, that's literally where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. All right. Now for our spooky story of the week. Fuck yeah. So, as I said, we had a kind of a busy week here. So this was one of those, like, I just am going to tell you a spooky story. So. Fuck yeah. We're not going to get too into, like, a topic. We're not going to do, like the history of like banshees or anything crazy but you should listen to that episode if you haven't it's fucking amazing you should it's super good or the history of elves which i fucking could not get over honestly <laughs> i learned so many things who the fuck knew who the fuck knew i didn't that's for sure so yes go listen to those episodes because they're amazing but now we're just going to do like a s- straight ghost story i would say fuck yeah so sources Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness, Season 1, Episode 3. Yeah. As well as Sci-Fi.com. I feel like I used a, one more source, but I'll kind of throw it at the end there because it's not super important. Mm-hmm. All right. So, in 2006, Susan Lewis and her daughter Jamie Skipper were living in a beautiful house in Moreno Valley, California. It was a wonderful place to live, just the perfect little house everyone dreams of. The house was Jamie's sanctuary, and Susan loved it with all her heart. At the time, Susan was dating a man named Matt, who had a daughter a few years younger than Jamie. He was smart and funny and just generally a happy guy. Their relationship progressed, and eventually Matt and his daughter Marie moved into the house with Susan and Jamie. The two girls got along really well and quickly became good friends. Jamie felt like she suddenly had a fun little sister to hang out with, and the fact the girls got along so well only strengthened Matt and Susan's relationship, making them feel like things were meant to be. Mm. Not long after Matt and Marie moved in, Susan walked into the kitchen one day to find an open jar of peanut butter laying on its side on the counter. Hmm. She thought it was odd, but immediately just chalked it up to the kids making a mess or the cats knocking it over or something. What was even weirder was that the peanut butter was melted. And melted to the point that it was literally, like, dripping off the counter. What which the is fuck? fucking weird. It has to be really hot. Yeah, that's not the consistency of peanut butter. No. Even in Florida, where it's really fucking yeah. hot, it's not going to, like, get super melted like that. 
So even though it didn't seem like something the girls would do, Susan called Jamie into the kitchen anyway to ask her about the odd spill. Mm-hmm. Jamie thought it was a joke and just kind of thought it was weird that her How mom- How old are they? Uh, I would say at this time they're probably like in their early teens. I would say oh, they're probably Oh, yeah. Then you're like-, like Yeah. 13, 14. They're not little kids, but it's like, yeah. But teenagers are also awful, so it's it's fair to be like, yeah. dude, what the fuck? Did you just seriously leave this mess here and like not clean this up like you piece of shit? <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Valid. Right. So Susan called Jamie into the kitchen to ask her about the odd spill, and Jamie just kind of thought she was joking and like that it was weird that her mom was asking her about the peanut butter. Like, why are you asking me about this peanut butter? So- Jamie didn't think anything of it and just assumed that Marie had done it, though Marie claimed that she hadn't. Then they started finding things stacked or arranged in certain ways around the house. Get the fuck out. Oh, girl. Things like pens and cleaning products were taken out of cabinets and drawers and lined up on the floor. What the fuck? Weird. Dude, I like took screenshots from the episode too because they started to take pictures. So, Uh. yep. They found food from the pantry and the glass coffee pot, all placed in the microwave together. They also came home to these huge messes, like everything in the fridge emptied into a fucking elves partying, right? Throwing fucking ragers. (laughs) Can you imagine that coming home and being like, "What the shit is this?" I would cry honestly. Like if I came home from work after a long day of work and like my house was fucking trashed, I would probably cry and just be like, "This is my fucking nightmare." I'd be like, "Well, guess who's not cleaning that up?" I guess we just live in fucking shit now because that, I'm not doing this. Thanks. I'm not doing this. You're like, ghost, you made the mess. You clean this motherfucker up. Do you have a ghost broom and a dustpan? Because you need to get on that shit. Ghost, as long as you live in my house. Right. You follow my rules. Uh, by the way, do you have rent too? Because uh, you're behind and I'm fucking tired of it. Exactly. So... They would come home to, like, everything in the fridge being emptied out, dumped out with, like, the milk carton upside down Get balanced the on its fuck lid. Out. Yeah. In the middle of this huge mess in the fridge. Which, like, if anyone has ever cleaned a fucking dirty fridge, it's a Ugh. nightmare. Yes. And super gross. Ugh. Exactly. Or they even came home to find all of the toiletries and the bath products emptied out all over the floor and, like, smeared on the mirror. Oh, my God. Just a huge mess. Like, everything all over everything. As much, like, liquid, powder, anything that could be emptied out of a container was emptied into this house. What time period is this? 2006. Are these people getting security cameras? No, but they totally should have. Girl, I would have been, like, it's either some punk in the neighborhood. Yeah. Or fucking haunted. And here's the thing. Like, okay, like one or two messes. I might chalk it up to the kids. Like, yeah. the kids destroying the house like this every single day. And especially, like, if I was a parent, I would make them clean it up thinking they did it. So if I was the kid having to clean up this shit every single day, I'd be like, I don't know who the fuck is doing this, but this isn't me, and I'm sick of fucking cleaning it up. Yeah. And not just that. Like, I would imagine as a parent, you you know your kids pretty well. You know your kids that if they behave this way, like, you could see it in their character to do that. 100%. You know, like, if they're very volatile or whatever, like, do temper tantrums and you're like, well, fuck. But if they're just chilling and then you come home, the house is trashed. And trashed that way. It's not even like I left out peanut butter because I was too much of a lazy preteen to put it away. But, like, trashing the house? 
No. That's fucking weird. It's really fucking weird. Especially like the girls are getting along. It's not like, oh, I fucking hate these people in my house and this fucking right. my stupid thing. She's my little sister. I can't stand her. Like they like each other. They get along. Like they're having a good time. Why would they be like acting out like this as like a cry for attention if that's what we're assuming this is? Right. So Jamie thought it was really strange and wanted some sort of evidence. So she started taking pictures and videos of all the strange occurrences. Uh-huh. Susan, at this point, didn't believe that it was something supernatural and still kind of suspected that the kids were behind it, even though, again, they both denied doing this. Then one day, everything changed. Oh. Jamie and Marie came home together and went to Jamie's room to study. Jamie put a coffee down on the nightstand for a second to let the dog in, and when she turned back around, the coffee was spilled all over her bed. What the fuck? Right? Which, like, oh, you have to strip the fucking sheets. It's a huge fucking nightmare. Ugh. This is my nightmare of a haunting, by the way. Like, the haunting- For sure. I would so much rather just have, like, creaking noises or, like, I don't know, a ghost hand touching me, like, than it making a mess that I have to then clean up. Fuck you. It's like, this is the most inconvenient of all of the hauntings possible. Literally, yes. It's like, I'm trashing your house and you have to clean it. And I'm not going to put anything towards like hiring Handy to come do it for you. No. And then as soon as it's clean, I'm going to destroy it again. So have fun with that. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Uh, No, this is terrible. Yes. So Jamie knew that she hadn't bumped the coffee and that there hadn't been an earthquake. Because again, it's California. Possible. Right. And since they were alone in her room, she knew it had to have been Marie. So she called her out. But again, Marie swore that it wasn't her. I'd be pissed as shit if I keep getting called out for shit I didn't do. Seriously? I would start getting, like, bitter and angrily defensive at a certain point where I'd just be for like, sure. fuck you. I'm not fucking doing this. Stop fucking blaming me. Yeah. What, just because I'm the youngest one, I'm acting out? No. 10,000%. Exactly. So... Jamie was angry and frustrated because now she had to wash all of her bedding. So she just decided to start cleaning her whole room. She grabbed some bleach for the bed and set it on the dresser while she closed the drawers. She turned back towards the bed for a second. And when she turned back around, all of the drawers she had just closed were open and the bleach- Get the fuck out. Yep. Which had been closed was now open and spilling over into the dresser. Now completely freaked out, Jamie screamed for her mom. She knew that there was no way that this was Marie playing a prank, and Susan immediately came running, wanting to know what was wrong. While Jamie was trying to explain, a bunch of Jamie's toys came flying off the wall towards them. Get the fuck out! Susan said, quote, I couldn't believe what I just saw, end quote. Jamie said she was scared out of her mind and that they immediately ran out of the house. Susan said, quote, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it happen. It tripped me up, end quote. And this is the mom. So, like, this is not, like, yeah. again. Kid shit. I feel like that, yeah, kid shit. It makes it slightly more believable. This is the mom being like, not only did my daughter see this, I saw this with my own eyes. Yeah. After they ran out of the house, Jamie told her mom that she thought they had a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. As Monique went over during her poltergeist curse story, you probably know that a poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that's specifically responsible for physical disturbances, such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. Over the next few months, everything got worse, and Susan knew something was really, really wrong. The messes were constant. They started, yes, like literally nonstop. 
they started to notice that things around the house were showing up twisted, like wires and string. The doors would bang all day and Get all the night long. fuck out. So annoying. And they're not calling like every fucking priest and every fucking rabbi and- No. Girl, oh my God. In a second, in a second, I would be like, I don't even give a fuck what religion you are. Come here, bless it. Yeah. Bring a shaman. I don't care. Everyone, we're having, we're having a religious party. (laughs) At the very least, get a second opinion. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's like, we're having a religious party. Bring your items of worship and we're just going to have like a, a circle- and it'll be cute. And we're going to clear I this love fucking this. house. Like, I, in a second. It's like a non-denominational exorcism? Yes. Non-denominational. Yes. Are you into it? Like, come on down. Do you have, like, I a goth club <laughs> that you fucking do and that you think you can help? Fucking come down. I'll have fucking wings in the back on the grill for you. In a second. In a fucking second. I, I would not let this go. Like, I think by day three, I'm like, no. I If I can't, I'm going to bring every religious clergy what what have you person here if they can't clear this shit it's going on the fucking market yes in a second facts so they have to deal with banging doors and at night any lights they left on would go off and they do show a video of this where it's like recording just the hallway and you see the hallway being lit up and then the lights flicker and go out stop which obviously be something that's easy to fake Sure, of course. Of course. Obligatory devil's advocate. However, Susan said there would still be power in the house, but the lights were off and flicking the switch did absolutely nothing. After dealing with these strange, unexplainable occurrences day in and day out for months, Susan was convinced, saying, quote, there was something in our house, end quote, which, yes, correct. Her boyfriend, Matt, on the other hand, didn't Shut believe anything up. that was happening. Yep. Yep. What do you think is happening? And he just thought it was Jamie doing it for attention. So it's one of those things where it's like, ah, just blame the other kid. It's not my daughter. It has to be the other one doing Your this. Your daughter. Yes. Right. Of course. Then one day, Susan came home and found a bunch of long, drawn-out arrows pointing in all different directions along the floor up the walls, everywhere. What the fuck? Susan then realized that all of the arrows eventually led towards the heating vents <gasps> and was convinced, yes, I know that I just got chills. chills. I fucking hate it. Oh my God. And was convinced that whatever it was, was trying to communicate with them. Yeah. She knew the vents led to the attic Stop and it. thought they should go oh my God. check it out. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I know. Which thankfully was a smart woman and was like, hey, Matt, do you want to come check the attic for me real quick? <laughs> That's why you have a boyfriend or a husband. Thank you. His mama didn't raise a fool. And he doesn't believe it. So by all means, climb up in the fucking scary ghost attic and go check it out for me. Yeah, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> and while you're at it, kill the cockroaches. I'm not doing that shit either. Yes, thank you. Like I said, Matt was still skeptical about the whole thing. Susan told him, quote, you have to believe me. I don't care what you feel. I don't care what you think. Mm -hmm. Something is in our house. Something's playing with us. End quote. Could you imagine? I, no, not for one fucking second. I'd be like, we're leaving Molto Pronto. Yes, immediately. Also, we still might need to break up after this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love you, but it's weird as fuck now. Yeah. 
So when it became clear that Susan wasn't going to let it go, Matt reluctantly let her convince him to go up to check the attic. The attic was dirty and messy and full of insulation, as most attics are. Sure. Terrified that something bad would happen to him, Susan insisted on watching just to be safe. She said she could feel a tension in the room while Matt crawled into the attic and that the energy was heavy and active. Mm. As Matt crawled deeper, he said it became harder and harder to move. It was incredibly dark up there, so dark that he couldn't see to make his way all the way across. When he told Susan that, she immediately got a bad feeling and said it felt like a warning. Mm. She was worried that something was going to happen to him and that he would get hurt, so she told him to immediately turn back. Not having really seen anything to convince him, Matt still didn't fully accept that something was going on. Right. But Susan was convinced that there was an entity in the house and started to wonder if they could communicate with it and get it to stop. Please don't tell me they're using the Ouija board. They're not using the Ouija board. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. No. Oh, God. No, that would have been real bad. Susan ended up talking to somebody who suggested they give it a peace offering. Uh Uh-huh. So... Susan and Jamie went home, lit a bunch of candles, creating a little altar on the mantel, and Susan, who liked cats, decided to give it a little cat figurine as a peace offering. Cute. Right? It was really cute. She told the spirit that they meant it no harm, that they didn't want it to be afraid of them, and that they didn't want to be afraid of it. Mm. When Matt came home and saw what they were doing, he didn't approve at all. Ugh. Matt was completely against the figurine. He couldn't believe they had gotten it a gift and thought that by trying to talk to it, they were, quote, talking to the devil, end quote. What's the problem, Matt? You said there's nothing there. Right? What the fuck do you care? Why are you, like, being so weird about this? And, like, if it helps, it helps. What's the big deal? The lady doth protest too much. For real. Susan was frustrated by Matt's lack of help and felt that at least she was making an effort to make things better while he just stuck to his denial. Literally facts. Let the women do the work. Yes. Thank you. The whole thing had started to put a serious strain on their relationship, and when Matt saw that Susan was trying to offer this thing a gift, he got furious, Mm. and he threw the figurine (gasps) into the backyard. Yes, in a fit of rage. Uh Uh-uh. Don't anger it anymore. They're not happy. Seriously. Like, it's already kind of fucking with you and making your life a living hell. Like, have you not seen Poltergeist? Seriously. The fucking cinematic classic? It's 2006. I was like, what year was the fucking remake made? Probably more recently than that. It was more recent than that, but because I lived here. Yes. And I was very upset. But Poltergeist was around, as was every other, as was Amityville, as was every other haunted house fucking thing ever. Yes. You're aware of what the situation is, kind of. Even if you don't believe it, you're aware of what theoretically is happening here. Right. And the things you should do to avoid angering that into making it a worse situation. So throwing away their gift is not a great way to go. Yeah. You're not nailing it, Matt. Yes. That everyone else is trying to, like, pacify this angry spirit and you're like, uh, no, it's not real, even though our house is a mess constantly. Like, (sighs) fuck this cat figurine. No. I just cannot. So he throws it in the backyard, but when they turned back around, the figurine was sitting back on the Get mantle. Get the fuck out! Right where it had been before. Susan said, quote... What do you gotta say to that, Maddie? Right? Susan said, quote, 
it was one of those times where you just can't believe what you see in front of your eyes. I know it landed in the field. I saw it, end quote. I know. I got so many chills. Call the Super 8 because we're moving in. <laughs> I, right? I would be like, uh, I'd already be in the fucking car. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Even angrier than before, Matt picked up the figurine again. What the fuck? Yep. Knowing what he was planning on doing, Jamie warned him not to smash the cat. But Matt, of course, didn't listen. After that, Jamie said she felt like she was doomed, and Susan immediately thought, quote, We're going to go through hell for this. It's going to retaliate. End quote. That night, they found the word cat scratched the and written all over the house. Yes, like literally like into the computer monitor and shit. Like everywhere. All the chills. Everywhere. Oh my God. Susan said it had gone on a rampage, once again making a mess of the house and spilling anything it could get its hands on. While her and Jamie were cleaning up the mess in the kitchen, they said they noticed footprints. And according to them, it did not look human. <gasps> that was going to be my next question. Oh my God. Yeah. It was much wider than a normal footprint with huge round toes. Now, they showed a picture of the quote-unquote footprint, and I will say, personally, it kind of just looks like things were splattered in a generic footprint pattern. Uh huh. I don't personally think it looks like an imprint specifically like you would get if someone or something stepped in what appears to be ketchup or some kind of sauce because it was in the kitchen. That's kind of what it looks like. Uh-huh. It kind of just looks like a lucky group of splatter, but we'll post the pictures on the Instagram. Yep. You can be the judge of that yourself. Susan and Jamie were convinced that this was proof that something had been in the house. In the interview, Susan got choked up at the thought and tearfully asked, quote, what was in my house, end quote. Ugh. I know, poor baby. And, like, this woman's just trying to fucking work and raise her daughter and, like, make a fucking living. Yeah, I just get on with her life. Seriously. Yeah. Susan said it was impossible to imagine the stress of trying to work and just go on with life while all these terrifying, unexplainable things were happening at home. Not to mention the constant cleanup. Like, you come home from work, your whole fucking house is destroyed. Yes. All of the shit in your fridge is like everywhere. You have to like clean out your fridge every single night. You can't buy groceries because it keeps destroying it. Like the fucking, I was just going to uh, say, it's not hassle. even worth buying the groceries because they're going to be like fucked. Seriously, I just eat pizza every night and be like, oh, this is my life now, I guess. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Let's get that seamless plus yeah. so that I can at least get free <laughs> delivery. Oh, <laughs> uh, for real. They wanted to get out and move, but Susan was already struggling to make house payments and said Ugh. it just wasn't feasible. And like, oh, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Not long after the figurine fiasco, it started in on the animals. At the time, they had two cats, both of which had just had a litter of kittens. And one by one, Stop each it. one no. of the kittens no. No. got really, no. really sick. No. Yes. Yep. Mm -mm. Yep. No. Yep. No. Jamie said there was absolutely nothing she could do no. to help <gasps> and no. believed that they just didn't have enough energy to fight off whatever this thing was. Oh, my God. Every single <gasps> no. one of no. the kittens died. No. One oh right after another. I know. And Susan was 
absolutely terrified that it was attacking their animals to get to Jamie. Oh my God. I know. I'm sorry. That one was really, really rough. I was like, I didn't know how to like warn everyone that that was going to happen without like ruining kind of like a big like reveal. part of the yeah. story. Yeah. Big reveal of the story. So yeah, I'm really sorry for that one, you guys. Um, That's terrible. It is terrible. And like, I know it happens, like obviously not all the animals survive a litter, but for every single one. Yeah. I feel like the odds of that are pretty small. In 2006, when there's like- Like vets and shit. Yes, clear veterinary care, and you can look up a million fucking things online, and this is clearly like a nice, respectful home. Like, I just don't- Right. See this happening. Yeah. It's sus as fuck. Sus as fuck. One night, Jamie was out running an errand while Marie was home alone watching TV. Suddenly, the TV started turning on and off in rapid succession- Nope. Then the furniture started being pushed and thrown around the room. Get the fuck out. And she's home alone and she's like the youngest one. I couldn't handle this for one second. No. Panicked, Marie immediately called Susan to tell her what was happening. She tried to calm her down, but obviously there wasn't much she could do for the terrified girl. Jamie rushed home and hurried to unlock the door. But as soon as she would get one lock unlocked, it would immediately lock back again. Get the fuck out. Keeping her from the house. Yes. This is literally what nightmares are made of. It's so fucking terrifying. The physicality of it, like, the th- it's one thing to, like, think, okay, I might, like, see a specter or something. I might, like, get a chill. But to have something be able to physically affect the things around you is beyond terrifying. Yes. I, uh, I'm, like, at a loss for words. During the encounter, Marie grabbed her digital camera and took a series of pictures. In the photos, there appeared to be a white light energy sweeping through every single picture. Get the fuck out. It's pretty fucking weird. And like, I know in most pictures where they're like, oh, it's like a ghostly thing. It's like an orb and it just kind of looks like a flash. The orb where it's like dust like, that the light, yeah. Um, These are like like very intense, like fractal looking light smears. They don't uh-huh. look just like a flash or a blur or something. These are like very weird and distinct looking. Uh-huh. Not to say that it could not still be an error in the development. The development. Sure. Well, it's a digital camera, but right, error digital, in yeah. like the yeah the how whatever, it captured the it. technology or there's some bug or something flying around, whatever. Yeah. It was then that Susan started to get really worried because if this thing had the ability to move heavy furniture, then what the fuck else could it do? Sure. Jamie said her fear after that incident was indescribable. Even Matt, who had still been skeptical at this point, finally believed that something was happening and was terrified to realize that this thing could attack his daughter at any point. Yeah. Not knowing what else to do, he immediately started calling churches. Get a priest party in this motherfucker. Finally. Yes. Priest party. (laughs) (laughs) Is anyone getting laid at this party? That's the real question. I don't think so. I mean. (sighs) Probably not. Let's hope not. How about, let's hope not. Fair. Fair enough. The first couple of churches didn't offer any help, but they finally found a pastor that was willing to come out to the house immediately. Susan reiterated that it was difficult to talk to anyone about it. Quote, that takes a lot of guts because you put yourself up for accusations, disbelief, and skepticism. End quote. For sure. Yeah. When the pastor arrived, there was finally a sense of hope. They were relieved to have finally found someone who believed them and felt like there was a possibility that maybe things would get better. 
The house was a complete mess at that point, and they were honestly embarrassed to have anyone in their home in the state it was in. But for sure, they fucking can't keep up with it. It's insane. This is what it is. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the life we're living right now. After looking around for a few minutes, the pastor told them that it was bad. He said there was quote spiritual warfare happening here and prayed with Damn. them, but informed them he couldn't do anything else for them. So he Oof. basically just like fucked off. Jamie said they never thanks heard from. Thanks for the wings. Yeah, thanks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the wings. Um, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. I actually have some stuff to do at the parish. Thanks. See you on Sunday. Cool, 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 cool. Good luck. Bye. Jamie said they never heard from or saw him ever again and that they felt completely abandoned. Oh. I know. After that, Jamie remembered feeling incredibly alone and like her room was the one place that she had a barrier from the torment. She got emotional in her interview saying, quote, it's hard to relive all of this, end quote. As time went on, Jamie started to believe that the only way to get rid of the problem was to move, but she didn't have the money to get a place of her own or have any friends that she could stay with. She now felt trapped in the home she had once thought of as her sanctuary. Oh, that sucks. I know. And like, uh, as a homebody, like that would just destroy me to not be able to feel like you were safe in your home is just like, ugh. Yeah. Susan said she could feel her family breaking down. Matt and her started fighting and it was clear the relationship was falling apart from the stress. Damn. Yep. Which like, I fucking get it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Relationships are hard when shit's not going wrong that's unexplainable. Right. Then one night, it started pounding on Jamie's bedroom door. Uh Uh-uh. Paralyzed with fear, she managed to record video of the noise from inside her room on her cell phone, and it's just loud, nonstop, violent banging. Like, terrifying. Like, it feels like somebody's trying to break down your door and get in there. Yeah. Terrified to approach her door, the noise went on for so long that it finally got to the point that she just had to look in the hallway. Yeah. But right before she opened the door, it would stop. Like it knew she was going to open the door. Then as soon as she stopped reaching for the doorknob, it would start up all over again. This went on for almost three hours straight. Holy shit. I can't handle, like, banging construction noises underneath me for, like, five minutes. I cannot imagine three hours straight of just nonstop banging. Yeah, same. When it eventually stopped, she opened the door and found a huge hole in the door (gasps) as the battering ram had hit it. And the doorknob had literally been bent. Yes. Across the hall from her room, Jamie could see that the light in the bathroom was flickering. She didn't know how she knew, but she was completely certain that whatever it was had, one, been trying to get into her room, Mm -hmm. and two, was in the bathroom at that very moment. Get the fuck out. Oh, my God. I kind of gave myself chills with that. No, same. I don't want to go in the bathroom ever. No. No. Like, that's my private space. I just want to poop in peace. Like, don't poltergeist me while I'm pooping, please. Thank you. (laughs) Something should be sacred, correct? Absolutely. Jamie wanted to try to lock it inside, but the bathroom didn't have a doorknob on it. It was just the hole for the knob. Uh Uh-huh. So she grabbed a kite string and wrapped it through the hole of the door instead. She pulled the string tight and held the door closed from the hallway. She believed that if she just held it tight enough, it wouldn't be able to get out. 
Jamie said she could feel it pulling on the string. Oh, my gosh. She was freaking out, convinced that if the bathroom door opened, she would see something from her nightmares. Oh, my a God. A demon or something even worse. So she held onto the string as tight as she could, thinking if it couldn't break the string, it couldn't get out. Suddenly, the string snapped. Get the fuck out. Jamie and Susan both believed that it somehow cut the rope, with Susan saying, quote, it figured it out, end quote. <gasps> I know. I know. So many I chills. Creep myself, I know. I creep myself out a lot with this one. I'm not going to lie, guys. Jamie was terrified. With the string cut and the bathroom door no longer closed, she knew it was coming into the room and there was nothing she could do to stop it. But the door opened and there was nothing there. Still shaken, she closed her bedroom door and locked it. After a minute, she smelled smoke and opened her door to find a pan with a paper towel burning inside of it what like a wick. What the fuck? Yes, just laying on the floor outside her bedroom. Jamie couldn't believe it because this was way beyond anything it had ever done. Right. It's trying to burn down the fucking house. It's trying to burn down the fucking house. When Jamie stepped out into the hall, she saw toilet paper and paper towels strewn all over the house. And Jamie was horrified to realize that it was setting up something. It's accelerant. Yes, to carry a flame throughout the house and was literally planning to burn them all alive. Get the fuck out. See, why couldn't you just let it have its cat figurine? Right? Was that so bad? What, what did that affect your life? I blame that for this. I 100% blame that for this. I feel like it was like, oh my God, they're giving me a figurine. Like, that's actually really nice. I could, all right, I could like chill with the messes and be cool. You take away my cat, I take away all your cats. <gasps> right? Like, oh, that's what the fuck's happening. That is 100% A plus B equals C. Mm, girl. Knowing she had to put out Who the fire. Who doesn't love a tchotchke? Come on, even the ghost. I love a tchotchke. Yes. Fuck Yes. Knowing she had to put out the fire, she doused the fire in the pan, then proceeded to rip down and gather up all the paper as quickly as possible so that nothing could catch fire. Jamie successfully managed to put out the fire and protect the family, but for Susan, that was the last straw. She said, quote, That was the most frightening, horrifying thing I have been through in my whole life. This thing attempted to burn my house down with my daughter in it, end quote. After that, Susan and Jamie decided to move out of the house despite not having the finances to do so. Jamie was just relieved that she wasn't going to have to deal with it anymore, but the whole thing had driven a wedge between Matt and Susan, and they decided to separate rather than move to a new place together. While Jamie and Marie still shared a sisterly bond and remained friends, Matt and Susan never got back together. According to Susan, their next-door neighbors moved out a few months after they did, and there are four or five vacant houses on that block. She said, quote, It makes me wonder that maybe, perhaps it wasn't just us, end quote. Either way, Susan and Jamie say they have never experienced any paranormal activity since their move. The final title card says, quote, The house was never sold, and that Susan went bankrupt, End quote. Damn. However, I did a little bit of research, yes, and I couldn't confirm that this was 
the address of this house. Mm -hmm. But this was the address that was given for this house online. And according to Zillow, it has actually been sold a couple times since then. Okay. However, it does seem like it's sold about every year. So, like, it doesn't seem like whoever is buying it stays in it for more than a year. And again, that's going on the fact that I'm trusting whoever decided this address was the correct address is correct. correct. Yes. So, I'm not 100% sure how the house is, if it really was never sold. I think that might have just been a paranormal witness kind of a... Taking artistic license. Yeah, fluffing up the end there to make it seem a little more ominous. Regardless, that's fucking terrifying. And Susan, Jamie, my heart goes out to you. I don't know that I could live through that and still be sane, honestly. For sure. I mean, this sounds very poltergeisty in that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a... You moved the headstones, but not the bodies situation. Yes. Especially yes. since it's multiple houses. The one thing that kept coming up, I will say, in some of the article comments and stuff like that on it, was uh, poltergeists are typically supposed to be attached to people, correct? They're not attached to places. They, like, follow the people. I think so. So that was the one thing where they were like, maybe it's not a poltergeist. It's just, like, a really intense haunting. But I don't know. This also could have been attached to Marie and followed Marie around and that they never just like addressed that and then she didn't really go into it. Right. Because it kind of seemed like it started happening once they moved into the house. Right. And I know that poltergeist activity tends to be connected when girls kind of start their period. Oh, really? We have our like witchy powers, our poltergeist powers? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of gets very... I don't know why. Oh, I know why. I get it. (laughs) Uh, as anyone can tell you, when a girls get their period, it's like our commune with the devil. Thanks. Obviously. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I feel like that's a thing that men used to say about women, though. That sounds right, right? Uh, yeah, they fucking said a bunch of shit. The, the Reese, that's why we don't have fucking pockets. <laughs> because they're like, you're witches and you carry witch shit. That's why there's no fucking pockets. They're like, I just wanted to carry, like, some money and, like, maybe my ID or just, like... My phone? Yeah. I don't, I love a clutch, but sometimes you do want to be clutch free. Yeah. You know, sometimes I see a cool rock or like a shell or something and I just like want to carry it with me. Is that so wrong? Which shit. Thank you. Which shit. For real. That's what it is. Yeah. Well. Um, that story was horrifying. It was horrifying. Yes. Uh, but I feel like we needed like a, like a classic scary haunting story for the week. So. For sure. You nailed it. Yeah. So that was your, uh, recap of the show Paranormal Witness season one, episode three. That was amazing. Thank you. I've never heard of this. It's pretty crazy. I will yeah. send you the. I'll send you the photos. Uh, I'm yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty creepy. Yeah, that's horrifying. Oh my god. Uh, yes. But you nailed it it's as usual. Memory. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, well, I'm really excited, and I'm looking forward to the uh, horrifying true crime story you've got for me this week. You want to lay it on me? So let me tell you. Oh, girl, tell me. Um. It is fucking horrifying. Oof. It's a really, really bad one. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's really bad. Brace yourselves. Uh, trigger warning for all of the things. Fun. Hey. Start your week off right. Yeah. All of the things. Um, yeah, it's fucking horrifying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I do think the story is necessary and important. And I've wanted to do it for a long time, and I didn't really know how to do it respectfully uh and then you'll find out why at the end okay but it's fucking bad it's a really bad one it's one of the worst uh stories i've ever heard uh and because of that i have looked up cute animal facts so when it gets real bad i'm gonna throw in a cute animal fact to be a little bit of a palate cleanser i love you so much that's the cutest thing i've ever heard (laughs) because i was like i can't do this 
for seven pages to these people. Like, this is awful. <laughs> Needed a palate cleanser. I need yeah. something. Yes. I need something to break up the tension. So that's what we're doing. So I'm going to be talking about Vanessa Gay. My sources are fox8.com, cleveland.com, and the documentary Unseen. As a child, Vanessa Gay loved learning and loved going to school. She was an overachiever who used to compete with her best friend as to who could get better grades. Who doesn't love that? (laughs) (laughs) It's always a fun friendship. Right? She was the president of the National Junior Honor Society and had aspirations of becoming a cosmetologist. When Vanessa was a toddler, her parents got divorced. She said, quote, when my mom divorced my dad, my dad divorced us. He would always promise me he was going to come and get me, come and see me. So I would sit in the window and wait for my father who would never show up, end quote, which is just fucking devastating and awful and that's entirely so too common. Um, don't have kids if you're not going to fucking take care yeah. of them. And God, I just hate that because you just make fucked up more fucked up people. And we don't need that. We need people who are loved and adored and treated well. Yes. Um, and sadly, that's not where the story goes. Then, she, uh, yeah. I mean, I knew that, but like, when? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the true crime portion. So it's not like, you know, and then uh, she got her shit together and everything worked out. <laughs> nope. It rarely ever ends like that. Yeah. Then she says with a laugh, quote, that's how I learned about prostitution. <gasps> I would sit in the window on 93rd and Cedar and watch the women of the night sitting in the window waiting for my daddy. End quote. Oh, baby girl. Oh, I know. <sighs> Vanessa was from Mount Pleasant, a neighborhood in Cleveland, Ohio. Local pastor Larry Harris described Mount Pleasant as a city, town, and country pulled together, a place where you felt safe. Basically, boilerplate of every fucking story you've ever heard. It's like, <laughs> it was a safe place. No one locked their doors. Everyone, it's, you know. It's the same shit. It's safe till it's not safe. Yeah. Just lock your fucking doors. Yep. Watch your kids. Yeah. But in 1983, jobs left the area and there was a drastic increase in unemployment. Pastor Harris said, quote, when jobs are leaving on the right hand and on the left, your community is far more vulnerable to some of the vices that destroy, end quote. And it's around this time that the crack epidemic started to take hold of the neighborhood. Fuck. Yeah. Like many others in the neighborhood, Vanessa got addicted to crack. Another woman from the neighborhood, Latunda Lala Billups, described her experience with crack, saying, quote, It was a rush that I can't really describe. It was a rush that come over your body. This high sensation for five minutes, and then it's gone. You know, it was maybe once a week, and it grew to where it was a couple times a week, to where I had somebody supplying me, to where I had to buy it on my own to where I had no money to buy it on my own, so I had to use other means to get it on my own, end quote. So I grew up in a very conservative house, and, you know, I grew up like a lot of conservative people did with this concept of, like, drug addiction is your fault, you did this to yourself, if you wanted to get clean, you would, and of kind of very much blaming the people addicted to it. And it wasn't until I saw this documentary that I really, for the first time, like understood what addiction is like, which is kind of embarrassing. Um, but this documentary really had a 
profound impact on me and how I, I view these things. Yeah. Vanessa said, quote, in the beginning of my addiction, I went through a phase where, you know, common things escaped my mind or how to do them. I couldn't wash dishes. I was standing at the sink and literally could not figure out what to do first. It was like my mind was blocked. I would just stand there, standing on top of piles of clothes, like I didn't know how to sort clothes, like drained me of my sense. All you could think of was crack, 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 crack. It was like Hurricane Katrina came through and ravaged my whole life. Everything in my house was just about gone. My children's TVs are gone. All the electronics are gone. Xboxes. If it was worth something, sell it. My husband sold my son's bike. It was horrible. Horrible. I remember once coming home with a pocket full of money, pocket full of dope, and when I get home, everybody's on the porch, and I'm catching it from everybody. My mom, my cousin, my four children, my neighbor, my son's friends. Everybody was just on the porch, and I decide that I'm not going to stand here and take it, and I walk off. And my 10-year-old daughter follows me. And then in this portion of her telling this, she starts getting choked up and emotional. Yeah. You know, I couldn't choose my child over the dope. We fought and argued. She laid in the middle of the street on Broadway just to get her mama to come home. And I couldn't choose my child over dope. End quote. Which is so devastating because you can tell as she's saying it, she's not saying I didn't want to. It's, yeah, I physically, I physically could couldn't. not do it. Oh, that just gave me like waves of chills. That's so horrifying. Ugh. It's so horrifying and devastating. But like that is addiction. It's that this yeah. comes before literally everything else. Everything. Food, yeah. shelter, everything. Every, your, children your children that are everything yes. to you. That your daughter's literally lying on the street playing like, saying like please don't do this anymore yes and you literally can it's not even that you don't want to you can't yes like i can't even imagine that's so devastating and if you've never gone through withdrawals it's very painful it's very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable it's miserable it's one of those things like you'll do anything including the thing you're trying to get off of stop it yeah keep from feeling like that yes (sighs) oh it's fucking rough man yeah Like Lala described, Vanessa kept finding herself doing more and more things to score crack. After she had sold everything she had of value, Vanessa turned to sex work. She said, quote, I'd gotten to the point where I was so small that I could wear a 10, 12 toddler. (gasps) That gave me chills. What? Yes. Holy fucking shit, dude. Yeah, because this is an adult woman who has four kids. So I would go to the store and buy a dress or get a dress and put it on. And when I fixed myself up, I would look like a little girl. I got a lot of approaches and a lot of dates because I looked like a little girl. Oh, it's so upsetting. I car hopped. This is so awful. I car hopped. I jumped in and out of cars. If you really looked odd, I wasn't getting into your car. But if I've seen you in the neighborhood, you know, we done spoke. I might get in your car. So I had regular people who you would never even know. Sick people. There's some sick people out there. End quote. Yes. Yes, there are. Um, so I think that's a good time. I like, can I have a fun animal fact right now? 
I'm real sad. For our first fun animal fact. So otters have a pocket in their skin to keep their favorite rock in. I love that. Yes. Adorable. They're adorable. I fucking love me some otters. They're adorable. All right. It's going to get terrible. Okay. It's going to get even worse. Just picture the otter. I gotcha. Yep. Otter with this little rock in his pocket. It's his favorite rock. Rock in a pocket. On an evening in September 2008, Vanessa was standing by a bank on Kinsman Avenue looking to get high when a man walked past with a bike on his cell phone. He was close enough for Vanessa to hear his end of the conversation, where he said, quote, it's my birthday and nobody's celebrating my birthday, end quote. So, of course, Vanessa overhears and tells him that she doesn't celebrate birthdays, but happy birthday. So he invites her back to his place to celebrate with alcohol, weed, and crack. She says, quote, I'm thinking, do I stay out here and sit for something else? Or do I go with him? End quote. She decides to go with a man who tells her his name is Anthony Sowell. On their 15-minute walk to his house, they shared a pleasant conversation about his time in the Marine Corps and their mutual love of cooking. She says, quote, People saying hi to him as we walking, nothing to indicate or you know that the whole night was going to be terrible. End quote. They arrived at his home at 12205 Imperial Avenue, no one was home at the duplex Sal shared with his sickly mother, and they climbed the dark stairs to his third-floor apartment. The space was musty, dirty, and dark. Vanessa said, quote, When we got to his house, we step in, and you can feel an eerie, just an eerie feeling. And then the closer you got up the stairs, you smelled something. End quote. Oh, no. And let me guess, it wasn't roses and, you know, puppy breath? Definitely not. So... Here's the thing. So Vanessa had talked about, because a lot of times, if you're addicted to cat, <laughs> if you're addicted to crack, I'm addicted, I'm addicted to, to cats. Cat. Yeah. Yeah, too. Big yeah. time. I'm not addicted to crack, but I'm definitely addicted to cats. But if you're addicted to crack, you're not usually gainfully employed. Unless you're the mayor of DC. Ew. <laughs> that's, an old, that's an old one. That's an old throwback. I love it. <laughs> so a lot of times... People who are addicted to crack will kind of squat in abandoned houses. And, you know, those houses don't have heat. They don't have running water. They don't have anything. So Vanessa talked about how, you know, you go to the bathroom and then when the the toilet's filled up, then you use the bathtub. When that's filled up, then you use the sink. No. When that's filled up, no. then you use the room you're not using. And then when that's filled up, you use, like, the corners. Like, so... It's not entirely odd that it's smelling really bad. Okay. So she's just like, oh, great. They have like a shit room. Right. Yeah. That's kind of like, but it's, but it's smelling bad, but she's also like, I mean, who knows what the fuck's in here? Yeah. Because. Girl. Yeah. And she, when she talked about like her times living in abandoned houses, she was like, you know, I didn't even think anything of it. I felt like this is what I deserved for my life. And I was like, oh. Honey, God. Yeah. So they get up to his room and they sit together on the edge of the bed and they continue their conversation until he offered to light a crack pipe. Vanessa said the man took one hit off the pipe. Then he turned and punched her across the face and said, quote, bitch, take your clothes off, <gasps> end quote. He told her that if she refused, he would throw in a closet and forget about her. She said, quote, I did exactly what he told me to do. 
He looked me in my eyes, and I've never seen anybody's eyes as evil. All you see are black holes. You don't see a spark. You just see black. End quote. Sal then went into some rant about an ex-girlfriend and how women who smoke crack had done him wrong in the past, which, fuck you, you also smoke crack. Yes. Fuck you. Hi. Pot? Kettle? Meat. Yeah. Fuck you. Hello. Also, did those women just like hit the crack pipe and then punch you in the face? Because I highly doubt it and that's what you just did. You piece exactly. of shit. Fuck you. Ugh. Sal then chillingly and ominously told Vanessa that she didn't deserve what he was about to do to her. What? So you know you're trash. Can you imagine? So you know you're trash and you're about yeah. to do some fucked up shit and you know that I don't deserve this in any way, shape, or form, but you're going to do it anyway. And you're also telling me that. Thanks, bro. Go fuck yourself. Eat a dick. Okay, so it's going to get real bad. <sighs> yeah. uh, it's going to get real bad. So there's going to be like three like fun facts, like kind of back to back to back. Okay. Because it's going to go real okay. bad. Anthony Sal raped and beat Vanessa repeatedly for hours until dawn. After he finally stopped raping her, Sal was just casually lying in bed beside her as if they were like a couple, just like chilling out in bed. She asked if she could use the bathroom and he said yes. The following is from the court transcript. Important to note that Vanessa is sobbing through this entire exchange and she's sobbing so much to the point that She's having like difficulty, like catching her breath. You know that sobbing. You know that level. Yes. yes. We've all been there. It is truly nothing short of harrowing and horrifying. I was going to say, yeah, just like gut wrenching, I'm sure. Fuck. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually going to start us off with a fact. Oh, thanks. Because it's going to get so fucking bad. Rats and mice are ticklish and they even laugh. What? Yep. Who the fuck knew? I'm like... On the one hand, part of me was like, oh, that's really cute. And then the other part of me was like, that's really creepy. No, fuck no. I'm not testing that out. Fuck no. Yeah, I'll just go grab a rat from the subway and get a little (laughs) tickle. (laughs) Giggles. No. Giggles. Rat giggles. Um, So think about rats and mice giggling uh, through this uh, brutal rape story. Mini transcript. The prosecutor asked, quote, as you walked to the bathroom, did you notice anything about the room on the left? End quote. Vanessa said, quote, yes, the plastic was pulled up and I saw something on the floor. It looked like it looked like it was a body and it had no head on it. <gasps> End quote. Oh, my God. So many chills. As she made her way, terrified for her life through the third floor of Sal's Imperial Avenue home, she saw in an adjacent room a black tarp that had been pulled back to reveal a decapitated body propped up in a seated position on the floor. Oh, it's like full on display. It's not. It's not hidden at all. He's like, by the way, like, this is my mattress. This is my body. NBD. Yeah. Let me give you the tour. And honeybees can communicate through dance. Ah. Look at that. So in the documentary, and and you don't even have to watch the documentary. You can actually see her full, her full testimony. It's, she's just fucking, like, she... I don't like using the word hysterical because it's used... It has connotations that are... It has connotations makes that... Makes it seem irrational. It's not valid. Yes. 100%. This is so... Like, it's obviously... She's been raped and beaten, like, all night. And she's yes. like, hey, can I take a piss? It's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then you see a decapitated body. So you're like, I am so fucked right now. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. There's a dead 
person here. I hope there's a fucking window in this bathroom because I got a GTFO. Yeah. Right the fuck now. So Vanessa is full on sobbing in court as she's recounting this truly horrific ordeal and how at first she literally could not believe that what she was seeing. And then immediately after she realizes, no, this is real and you're fucking next. Yes. And like the videographer of in the courtroom, while she's doing this testimony, pans to Saul, who's just completely stone-faced. <gasps> his zero reaction, except for his only tell is like repeated, like rapid blinking. Robert Durst. It's a very like Robert fucking Durst thing. Dude, it was the fucking QAnon guy too. Fucking he blinked like crazy too. My ex, when he would get upset, he would do that. And now like that I see all these like murders. I mean, my ex, I don't think was a murderer, but like seeing that this is this a pattern of like when they get like really angry or like mm-hmm. that, that they just blink a lot. Noted. But th- that's it. That's the only tell he has. It's <sighs> completely stone-faced otherwise. And she is fucking can't even catch her breath talking about this fucking night in the documentary unseen vanessa said quote i had to go to the bathroom without acknowledging anything without changing my expression without freaking out without crying without letting him know i'd seen that you know i mean i was not supposed to make it out of there really i was not supposed to make it i was not supposed to make it out of there he kept saying you're gonna tell if i let you go you're gonna tell I said, tell what? It might have been a little rougher than maybe I'm used to, but what am I going to tell? End quote. And by nothing short of a miracle, Vanessa had managed to convince Saul that not only was she not going to go to the police, but that he had done nothing wrong. This fucking brilliant woman, like badass. Yes. yes. This is kind of what a lot of women who have survived serial killers. Yes. Lisa the, one, the women who survive are like, I'll totally be your, your girlfriend. Yeah. I totally love you. Like nothing happened. Like this is totally great. This is super consensual. Jayla Gladden, who's like, no, I'll help you get to Atlanta. Don't worry about it. Like, let's just be, use my phone real quick to GPS it. I really want to help you. Totally. Lie your ass off to get the exactly. fuck out of there. You see yes. that? come up time and time and time again of like not like yep. i'm gonna tell everyone it's like no we're totally fine yes, to pretend you didn't just see a decapitated body yeah probably the first of your life and just be like no, no i'm cool as a cucumber like uh what's on tv you got any more crack what's going on i'm gonna go grab some food do you want a bagel or something i'll be back do you want i'm going to like chick-fil-a later do you want some nuggets Ooh, or girl, what's happening give me some waffle fries let's do this so he offered his number and walked her to the front steps and told her to come back and hang out on Monday when he got paid. Totally, totally. I'm going to take us straight to the cops. Thanks for your number. Vanessa said, quote, When he got his keys, I walked arm in arm standing right by his side. Because <gasps> I felt if he got behind me, I'm not going to make it. We walked up those stairs and he opened that door. And I was out. I walked down the street limping and bleeding and everything just done. My whole body was done. Okay, this is really bad. Oh my god, I'm I. You saw my face yeah. with the whole thing of it. Like I'm like silently screaming and fuming over here. The walking arm in arm with him. Oh my god, the horror of that. Uh, yes, it was a Sunday morning, and all these church people they turned the other way. I heard a couple people laugh, you know, and nobody helped me. Nobody helped me. End quote. Wow. Um squirrels will adopt other squirrels babies if they're abandoned really yeah 
That's really cute. I really it's like that. It's real cute. It's real cute because we needed that. I did this need that. fucking terrible. I befriended a wild squirrel as a kid. I get that. Yeah. That might, like, we convinced it to, like, get close enough with, like, nuts and stuff that it would literally, like, hang out on our clothes and, like, we were petted and stuff. That's real cute. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Florida girl, hey Hey. <laughs> did I just, like, find a squirrel and start petting it? Yeah, I did. Totally. You just wanted to live your fucking Disney Snow White dreams. Uh, I totally did. I definitely named, <laughs> we definitely named it Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes, so. I love it. Back to the office. Uh, back to the office. yeah. I'm ready for it. Vanessa called the Cleveland police to report the rape and asked for help, but the dispatcher told her that she had to come to the station to file the report. Traumatized, severely injured from the sexual assault, and in complete disbelief of the grisly scene in Savile's home, she made her way to an abandoned house where other crack users were known to stay. She slept for days and days on end in a cot before going to a friend's house and got high to numb herself and try to forget about the harrowing attack. Vanessa said, quote, when I was on crack, people already thought I was crazy, you know, already didn't want to believe an addict. They don't want to believe an addict anyway. So I just stayed high, end quote, which oh, just awful. And, you know, you hear about it all the time of people who are sex workers or who are addicts, like going to the police and they just don't take them seriously or they, yeah, they don't. You're on the fringes of society and like somehow you're less valid of a witness because exactly yes when you read all those reports of sex workers who've been murdered and then they classify it as no humans involved the nhi yeah no human involved because it's they're literally not even considered a person it's subhuman to authorities yes it's fucking disgusting and horrifying infuriating for the record all of this Given the severely traumatic events she had endured, unsurprisingly, Vanessa's addiction got worse before it got better. Then, about a year later, on October 29th, 2009, my birthday, ayo, Cleveland police arrived at 12205 Imperial Avenue to serve Anthony Sowell with an arrest warrant for the rape and assault of Lala Billups, who was the other neighborhood woman that I was talking about earlier. Sowell was not home, but police immediately found two decomposing bodies. As police searched the property, they eventually found four decomposing bodies on his third floor, another two bodies were found in his basement, and five more bodies were buried in his backyard. For those bad at maths, that's 11 fucking bodies in this guy's fucking house. Uh, 10 too many, at least. Like, first of all, 11 too many. You shouldn't have any, for the record. But, like, if you're going to be a murderer and have a body on your place, like, one, one's enough. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence. You're just like, yeah, chilling around. Four years earlier, Anthony Sowell had been released from prison after serving a 15 year sentence for the 1989 rape and assault of Melvette Sockwell. Melvette said, quote, before he put the gag in my mouth, I could have screamed, but something said, don't do it. But after he had his way with me the first time, second, he never took that gag off anymore. The day went by, and it turned into another day. He said, you might as well say your prayers, because I'm going to feed you, and then I'm going to kill you. And then he went to sleep. End quote. Why would you feed me before killing me? Because, you know, it's that bullshit of, like, I'm a good guy. I'm giving you a last meal. Thanks. Yeah. I could could just kill you, but I'm going to make sure that you get some, like, a McDonald's burger in you before. Go fuck yourself. Fuck you. First of all. Yeah. After he went to sleep, Melvette escaped onto the roof of the house where she signaled a neighbor to call the police. Yes, girl. Get it. Yeah. 
And she's still, like, gagged and tied up at this point, correct? Not to mention, she's fucking naked also. <gasps> because she's been raped, like, all fucking night. The whole time, yeah. So she's Fuck. not going to be like, mm. yeah. So she's just like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Jesus. So she climbs onto the roof, gagged and tied up and fucking naked, and is just waving her hands to be like, oh please, my God, dear like, God anyone, anybody. please help yes. me, please help me. So this was in 1989, and he went away for 15 years for this. Why did we let him out? Was that wise? No offense, but like, hmm. So it's a little further down in the story, but I'm going to spoil it for you. I think it's important to note that in Anthony Sowell's release papers from prison, he was listed as, quote, low-risk category for sexual recidivism, end quote. Uh, whoever decided that should be fired. You're really terrible at your job. You fucking suck at your job. And not only that, he fucking murdered 11 women after he fucking raped them. Yeah. And that's not counting the women that he raped, raped and did murder. fucking murder. Yeah. But he's at a low-risk category. Sure, of course. Like, literally <sighs> makes me want to flip a fucking table. Yes. Um, And because of that, I think... Uh, it's time for a fun animal fact? fact. Yeah. Dolphins sometimes try to rescue people who are drowning. Do they or do they try to rape them, Monique? I mean, call them A, call them B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that's just one of those things that I will just never, never forget. I will never let the dolphins live it down. No. Um, yeah, they like they like having sex and they the do. animal kingdom is not really into consent. They're not. They're not big on it. No. I definitely, uh, when I was staying with Christina uh, over Thanksgiving, I definitely witnessed a, a gang duck rape. Oh, shit. Yeah. So. Yep. You know. So the dolphins can rescue people. Good, good, good. So, yeah, they can rescue people from drowning. Amazing. Sowell and his house of horrors was all over the news, fucking obviously. So he went into hiding. And he called up his sister, who in the documentary, the sister's like, um, straight up, Anthony was always a mean kid and he was an asshole. Like, since forever. She knew what the fuck was up. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, you know, he used to be like that our mother didn't love him. And straight up, it was the other way around. Like, he didn't like her. And then just, like, projected that bullshit onto himself. Of course he did. Of course. None yeah. Of, none of this bullshit is shocking. It's just, it all follows the pattern. It's, ugh, God. So he calls up his sister and he asks her to meet up. And this isn't even like a phone call. He's like, hey, meet me on the corner of here and here. So they meet in person. And granted, there's like a fucking manhunt for him. So she meets up with him and she's like, what the fuck? What's up? And he tells her, quote, I got something to tell you. Everything they say is true. I don't know why I did it. I spaced out. I'm just all fucked up in the head. End quote. And on Halloween 2009, Sal was found sleeping in an abandoned house in the neighborhood and taken into custody. And if the Cleveland Police Department thought that 12205 Imperial Avenue sounded familiar, it's probably because two weeks prior to Sal's arrest, a neighboring business security camera captured footage of a naked woman who had fallen out of Sal's second-story window and a naked Anthony Sowell going out there to retrieve her. A passerby called 911 saying the woman had fallen out of the second-floor window and an ambulance arrived and took her to the hospital. The woman was Sean Morris, who had gone to Sowell's house with the promise of crack cocaine. Sean said, quote, I went up the first part of the steps, and that's when he came behind me and put me in a chokehold, and told me if I screamed, fought, or tried to get away, that he would kill me. I screamed, and that's when he jumped up and started closing the windows. But I was sitting right in front of this window, and I'm telling God that I find myself in a situation, and to please don't let me die, because I'm about to jump. End quote. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine 
any of this. Chills, by the way, like nonstop chills. Yeah. Sean did not press charges, fearing she would get in trouble and would not be believed because of her history of sex work and addiction. And there are other stories of women. There was a story of this woman, and it was so awful and horrifying that he did the same shit to. He started, he choked her. He put, um, because something that he liked doing was like using a piece of cut electrical cord to choke them. He, Ugh. Anthony Sal would eventually become known as the Cleveland the Strangler. Strangler. Yeah. And there was a woman, she escaped, you know, she was bleeding. She went into like a nearby pizza place to be like, oh my God, I like, she's completely beaten the fuck up. And she goes to the pizza place. She's like, oh my God, I need help. Like, please like call the police. Like this man in this house did this to me. And they were like, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They told her to leave, that it wasn't their problem, and that she was bleeding all over the floor. Like, fuck you, you're disgusting. Oh, my God. And then she goes to the the cops, and they take pictures of her. And I I tried to screenshot it, but it's like that protected thing that it, like, goes black. And I'm just kind of like, dude, I'm trying to fucking show the people. Um, And you see the bruises on her neck. And you see, like, it, it almost looks like... um burn marks from like the cord like almost like like rug burn but it's like <gasps> like all around her neck like this isn't like oh like a, a couple of like cuts or whatever like no she like got into it and they they tell they tell her like hey like this dude he he just got out he, he did 15 years for sexual assault like this is kind of his jam and the prosecutor didn't pursue charges because it was his word against hers. And according to the prosecution, there was not enough like legitimate evidence and they didn't find the witness credible. Um, It's my word against his uh, convicted criminal history, which says he has already done this before. Yeah. Why is my testimony so unbelievable? Because she was a drug addict and a sex worker. Of course. So of who course. gives a fuck? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, did you not see her fucking neck? Yeah. There's no, there's nothing on him. And because of this bullshit, 11 fucking women got murdered because they're like, your, your testimony is not credible against a registered sex offender. Yeah. Actually. When questioned by the police as to how he killed his victims or even why, this motherfucker kept saying, I don't know. And I can't remember. And while he initially said that he would provide useful information regarding the identity of the victims, he did not. He did not help identify any of the victims because he's such a piece of trash. I literally can't even fucking breathe. Like, wow. Did he try to claim like DID or something or like? Insanity. Oh. Yeah. The 11 victims were eventually identified by their family's DNA. Oh. They are Amelda Hunter, 47, Diane Turner, 38, Crystal Dozier, 38, and Crystal, Do like, her son shows up in, in the documentary and he talks about how, like he refers to her as crystal because she was a drug addict and like, didn't raise him. And so he doesn't even see her as like a mother, you know? So they had like a, a contentious relationship because of that, which is completely understandable. But when he realizes that she's missing because he's calling like the jails and he's calling the morgues and she's not anywhere, they file a missing persons report and the cops are like, well, she's over 18. She's an adult. She has a right to go missing. No. That's it. Like, that's how they, no, they traded it. I'm sorry. Are you doing your job? Like what? Exactly. Okay. These are also primarily um, white police department and it's all African-American victims. I know that. It's all African-American women yep. who have histories of sex 
work and are all addicts. Yes. So it is the the triple crown of the less dead. And this was part of why I also wanted, there's lots of reasons why I wanted to do the story, which I'll get into later. But part of why I wanted to do it, especially now, is because of the fervor with Gabby Petito. Yeah. And how, I guess there's this hashtag of America's daughter about her. And the thing is, it's the tale as old as time of a pretty young white woman dies or goes missing and everyone gives a shit. But 11 women were fucking murdered and no one gave a fuck. Literally, there was no investigation into these missing women that was actively happening when they were found. Because the cops didn't give a fuck. Exactly. Because they're like, who cares? They're just crackheads. Yeah. Who cares? They did this to themselves. Fucking disgusting. So the other victims were LaShonda Long, 25, Michelle Mason, 45, Nancy Cobbs, 43, Janice Webb, 49, Tashana Culver, 31, Talashia Fortson, 31, Tanya Carmichael, 53, and Kim Smith, 44. At his arraignment, Sowell would plead not guilty by reason of insanity, and his trial began on June 27, 2011. He was charged with 85 counts of aggravated murder, kidnapping, rape, abusing a corpse, and tampering with evidence. Only one witness was able to directly tie Sowell to the bodies. Vanessa Gay. Yes. Get it, girl. Get it. Because granted, she hasn't really told law like she hasn't really told law enforcement her story. She hasn't like she hasn't filled out a report on this. Yeah. Because they were like, they were you like, have you to, come to come down, down here. And she was like, I can't I literally can't deal with this. Like, do you know what the fuck I've just been through? Yeah. I can't do this. Vanessa's story was finally heard in February 2010 when she was arrested for having an open container in a public space, which was a violation of her probation. What? That's how this, like... Yeah. Wild! Okay. So... I don't think I realized that part. Yeah. So there's kind of conflicting accounts as to whether it was because she had an open container, which was a violation of of her probation, or because she missed meeting with her probation officer. Okay. Which is also a violation. It was... Basically, she violated parole. So she was, she, um, she got arrested. And when she came before Judge Timothy McGinty, Vanessa broke down sobbing, telling the judge what happened in Sowell's home and that she had seen a decomposing woman. Vanessa said she seized the opportunity to speak out before a judge and a stenographer who would have no choice but to commit her words to record. That's brilliant. So this was not right? even his trial. This was her trial for violating parole. No, yes, because she because she violated parole. That's where this comes out. So fucking smart. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that. Fuck yeah. She told them how she had tried to call the cops for help the day she escaped, only to be coldly told by a dispatcher that she needed to come down to file a report. Officers she did tell didn't believe her, often laughing in her face. One even quipped, quote, She's just mad because she didn't get to smoke with Anthony Sowell, end quote, which... Go fuck yourself. Fucking literally. You're fucking disgusting. Fuck you. Ugh. But the judge, who has since retired, and now is the county prosecutor, listened, and he believed her. And that was the beginning of her recovery. After 15 hours of deliberation, the jury found Anthony Sowell guilty of 84 of the 85 counts of aggravated murder, kidnapping, rape, abusing a corpse, and tampering with evidence. And on August 12, 2011, Anthony Sowell was sentenced to death. Damn straight. Couldn't happen to a better person. Yep. Vanessa said, quote, 
I don't think people take serious addicts, you know. He wasn't very careful, yet 11 women died. They didn't want to see. They didn't want to see. End quote. Which is fucking devastating and so fucking real. Yes. Like, there were 11 bodies in this house, just chilling, not even really well hidden. It's not like he fucking hit him in the walls like fucking Dahmer or some shit. Like, over years. And everyone was just like, eh, over years he did this. No big deal. I understand when your neighborhood is ravaged by an epidemic, like a drug epidemic, it's very scary and people are just out of their minds and they're acting crazy because they're on drugs. This guy who runs like, like a liquor bodega type of thing across the street from Anthony Sowell's place. And he legit is like, I think he did a great thing. I wish there were a million Anthony Sowell's. He cleaned up the garbage. He's and I'm the like, garbage. What do you mean? He could have killed himself. You are fucking yeah. garbage. Yeah. I'm like, you are fucking garbage. And and I'm like, do you not realize you're being recorded on this documentary? And he legit says, he's like, oh, I'll proudly say it. Instead of what? One, two, three, four cameras in front of me? Yeah. He did a great thing. He cleaned up the garbage. I wish there were a million. Wow. These women are, were victims of circumstance. And this man made a choice, multiple, at least 11, but more and realistically that. more that because he fucking didn't murder a bunch of women and he still raped them. Absolutely. Yes. Pastor Harris said, quote, these were real people. These were women that belonged to mothers and fathers. These were women that had family, cousins and uncles and aunts. They had children, you know. These were women that would be greatly missed. But then it reminded me of something else. That if I'm going to love someone, be involved with them, I got to do it on a daily basis. And I got to do it when they're lovable. And I got to do it when they're not so lovable. I'll never know when I'm talking to someone I love for the last time. Ooh. End quote. Oh, that fucking gets me. I know. That's fucking true, though. You uh, never fucking know. Tell the people yeah. you love, you love them. You never fucking know. Absolutely. In the winter of 2011, the house of 12205 Imperial Avenue was torn down and Vanessa Gay was in attendance. Even though Anthony Sal was sentenced to death for his horrific crimes a decade ago, no execution date was set. Vanessa said, quote, I don't understand why he's still sitting there. My brain needs to know something was done. Just being in prison doesn't seem enough for what he did to so many women and families. I sit at home locked behind my four walls because sometimes I can't go anywhere. At this point, it's like we got the same punishment. Ooh. End quote. Damn. That's, that's the realest fucking shit. Right? Yeah. On February 8th of 2021, this year, Anthony Sowell died in prison with appeals pending and no execution date. So he fucking got away with it like he just he didn't actually get his yeah his sentencing no and they never even set a fucking date because it kept getting pushed back because of like bureaucratic bullshit Ugh, fuck, fuck this, this guy. guy like you know and then he's like i don't know i don't know what i did i don't know why i did it i don't know because you're trash that's why you did it and you fucking know it fuck you and the thing and it's that thing of you know fine by reason of insanity then why'd you hide the bodies it's because you knew you did something wrong there you get on the fucking nose, Monique. Yes. You knew you did something wrong. Otherwise, you would have just You're not like, crazy. left him out on the street. Had a fucking tea party and shit with them. That fucking like the Russian dolls and shit. Yeah, I was just going to say put buttons over their eyes or some fucking yeah, crazy shit. You, fuck you. You know what the fuck you do. You know. Yeah. 
Vanessa has become an advocate for sexual assault survivors and has been vocal about flaws in the justice system and how it needs to get better at responding to what victims need during the court process and afterwards. Vanessa's best friend, Marquetta McGee, said, quote, she needed psychological, physical, and mental support to get her back to where she could understand her new norm, because it's not regular. What you thought you knew is gone. So I don't think they dealt fairly and gave her anything that she needed. I think they took what they needed from her and left her to handle the rest of her life by herself, end quote. Vanessa said, quote, nobody made sure we were okay. There was no support for my family, for my kids who went through this with us, end quote. The lack of support, she said, was only magnified when three women escaped from Ariel Castro's Seymour Avenue home in 2018. It hurt Vanessa to see such an outpouring of love and support for Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, and Michelle Knight, and for Castro's house to be quickly bulldozed and replaced with a garden, while the east side lot where Sowell's demolished house once stood still remained desolate. She said, quote, I'm not trying to take anything away from what they went through. I don't want people to misunderstand. They deserve every kind of help they've gotten. But where's the help for the addicts? I want the public not to turn their backs. Having an addiction doesn't make you less than human. It doesn't make you disposable. End quote. And to add to this shit soup, Vanessa discovered that she was left out of the $1.3 million settlement that Cleveland had paid to the other victims and their families over how detectives handled accusations against Sowell before they finally arrested him. What? Why? Sowell was never charged with beating and raping Vanessa <gasps> because the case had already been submitted to the grand jury beforehand. And Vanessa didn't realize her case wasn't submitted until after she had testified against Sowell. That's really fucked up and really grimy. It's so fucked. Like, the reason why she was the linchpin in the case. Yeah. And you fucked her. Seriously. In every way. Wow. You, like, didn't give her help she needed. Like, once you got what she wanted, you're like, cool, cool. Have fun with your life. Good luck with that. Good luck with the trauma of that. Good luck with it. That's infuriating. It's awful. It's awful. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do an animal thing because I'm pissed. I'm yeah. Pissed. Lay it on me. I need it right now. Vanessa, my heart goes out to you. That's fucking that's bullshit. It is fucking bullshit. Some turtles can breathe out their butts. That comes in handy, I bet. Hey. There you go. Alright, interesting. Vanessa has been taking recovery day by day and at times has struggled against the desire to take her own life. She once tried to jump in front of a moving bus and still suffers from insensitive comments from strangers and friends regarding the incident. Vanessa said, quote, people always tell me that I should be over it by now, but I'm still a survivor of that memory. Those other women and their families received some kind of justice, but not me. I was left out, end quote. Yeah. In an effort to help those like herself battling addiction. Vanessa has reached out to a lawyer to pitch a project called Justice, J-U-S-T-U-S, a nonprofit advocacy program that would help those, particularly African-Americans suffering from mental health and addiction, receive proper treatment, such as recovery, instead of being placed in jail. The program would also provide guidance to help rape survivors and people with drug addictions through the healing process and connect them with resources on how to fight their cases in court. Vanessa says she feels the justice system doesn't help addicts or those suffering from mental health diseases. 
while Vanessa is pleased with the work that the state of Ohio is doing to help opioid users, she does note that African-Americans have never received that kind of treatment, specifically referring to the government's response to the opioid crisis, which initially struck white and suburban communities, was much different than the government's response to the crack cocaine epidemic of the 1980s and 90s, which saw the government treat the problem as a crime and not an issue of addiction that could be remedied through recovery. She questioned, quote, why don't I need the same help that somebody else gets because they're another color or on another type of drug? Why don't I see that same help instead of incarceration? End quote. But Vanessa is still determined to move forward in helping those who are in the shoes she once filled. She said, quote, There's still life after trauma. This isn't the end of my story. On July 16th, 2021, Groundbreaking for the Garden of Eleven Angels took place. The memorial will cover not only the lot where Sowell's house once stood, but seven other lots that surround it. The city said it hopes the garden will serve as a space where the community can gather, reflect, and honor the lives and memories of the eleven women. The project is fully funded and expected to be completed this fall. And that is the horrific and awful story of everything that happened to Vanessa Gay. Fuck, dude. Yeah. That's fucking so crazy, so intense. So, yeah. I watched I think the Snapped Notorious episode on this. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember the thing that really got me because obviously I listened to her testimony too and yeah. you said that quote about Yeah, she's freaking, freaking out like out. but justifiably yes. so, of course, but Yes. Like ugh. yes. Again, you're right. Like, I hate to use the word hysterical because that has bad connotations. But, like, being but in that's hysterics what, over this is completely justified and valid. And, like, yeah, the correct response. The only response. Yeah. So I just remember it. she also mentioned his eyes, but every single person who survived a rape by him mm-hmm. all said the yeah. same thing. That he had these, like, yeah. eyes that just seemed, like, black endlessly eyes. black and deep and just, like, cold. Yeah, that – that it was kind of like a switch because initially it was like, no, there was nothing that to indicate, like he seemed like a nice dude, you know, yep. even like his, there's a, a, an interview with like his prison cellmate who was like, oh, he was very respectful of women. He was very cordial, would bring them gifts that, and then it was the switch would happen. Yeah. And then that's when you saw those eyes. The, yeah. And so I saw this documentary last year and it really affected me for a hundred reasons. One, because I felt that it was really the first time that I was able to have at least some sort of understanding of what addiction is like and that it, it isn't a, I'm doing this because I want to. Yes. It's that you can't not do it. And, and I just found it harrowing. And then the fact that I really didn't know these stories, I'm like, why don't I know more about this? Oh, because they're African-American and they're sex workers and they're drug addicts. That's why we don't give a fuck about those people. And I've been wanting to do this story for a while, but I didn't want to do it on Anthony Sowell because fuck him. No, I like the way you handled it. It honestly took me a couple minutes where I was like, at first I was like, this name sounds really yeah. familiar. And then you said the quote by her and I was like, yeah. I fucking remember this quote from the yeah. show. I was like, fuck, I know what this is. And I was like, I didn't know where you were going with yeah. it though originally. So and I liked yeah. I liked the way you uh, did this, presenting this. Yeah, so I wanted to do a story about about one of the women. Uh, instead because fuck him like there's enough bullshit him. about him fuck him fuck you you're such a piece of shit 
you didn't have to do any of this and you did it because you wanted to and to say like oh no like fuck you and that you didn't even have the decency to give any sort of identifying information after you destroyed these 11 these 11 women's lives and then countless others, countless others yeah. because of it's their friends and their mothers and their sisters and whatever the fuck you know fuck you and that you just yeah. it's adding insult to injury got off so easy like you just were on death row waiting to and then you just die like you made the decision to cut people's lives short and you just got to live out your life like yeah you're behind bars but fuck you yeah and then whoever decided he was low risk after he was oh. sort of 15 years for this shit, go fuck yourself. I hope you have serious deep regrets about this because you fucked up real bad. That was the same shit with fucking Ed Kemper. I just, I still, I can't. He fucking this. murdered his grandparents when he was like 16 years old. And then, so he was, he went to juvie and then yeah. he was, had to go to like a shrink, you know, weekly to. Well, he's and fine. Then, he's probably fine. Yeah. He's, and then when, like the day that they decide to like expunge that from his fucking record being like he's not a threat to anyone like he's fine whatever he had a fucking girl's head in the trunk of his fucking car i know it's fucking ridiculous do your fucking job better what the fuck i know not everyone wants that job because that job sounds like it fucking sucks but we can't hire people who like just want the paycheck we're phoning it in people's lives are in the fucking balance yes truly he's like hey seems fine whatever yeah just send him out there Whatever. What's he get? What's the worst he's gonna do? Murder eleven women and rape countless others. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. God. Well, that was amazing. I thank you for doing that, uh, and thank you for focusing on Vanessa instead of that fucking piece of shit who doesn't deserve our fucking time or energy. He deserves only our hatred, and then that's it. Thank you. But you're amazing. I really thank enjoyed you. that. You're amazing, Vanessa. You're a fucking boss ass. Vanessa's bitch. amazing. Thank you for doing all that you do and not getting nearly the fucking recognition and none of the fucking no money, money which no is justice bullshit horseshit it's yeah gotta figure that shit out but and also um lala billups yeah who was also a sex worker and uh, that basically it was her report to the police of the the sexual assault that made them go to the house she turned her life around and she got a master's in social work and she works with people who are uh addicts to help them out and there are silver linings to this horrendous story that just gave me chills that's really sweet yeah and a final fun fact i was gonna say and i appreciate the animal fun facts as well it was i felt like i needed them necessary this this story was so terrible i felt like i needed them so cats will headbutt you to show that they trust you uh, I'm going to read the whole thing. Rather than territorial marking or claiming someone, as is commonly thought, cats do this to mark someone as safe. Oh. Sort of like leaving a signal of comfort and safety. Like, they're safe. They're not going to hurt me. That's super cute. I thought they were just like super it. needy attention seekers. And I was like, uh, hi, yeah, I'm here. Like, right here. You can like touch me with your hand. Thanks. Cool. I always thought that it was like, that's mine. Don't fuck with my owner. But it's like, no, she's safe. <laughs> she's cool. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm vouching for her. I love that. That's really sweet. Thank you. I need that at the yeah. end of this to like, yeah, who ease me into the week here. Yeah. Because I also thought about. Keep it light. Keep it happy. Last week's story and how we just felt awful afterward. And then we talked about Alma Draft House. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was so happy when you brought that up. I was like, oh. I was like, we can't leave it on this awful shit. I was like, um, I can bring bring people a little bit of joy before uh, signing off here. 
So yeah, so cats, if they bump you with their head, they think you're you're safe. It's really sweet. Which I love. There you go. Another reason to love cats. They're pretty dope. Yeah. <sighs> um, I know. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. You're amazing, though. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. You're fucking amazing. Stop. That was a, a double rough episode. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real scary one this time. Yeah. Grab yourself a, a gimlet or fuck something. Yeah. Take the edge off. Uh, I'm obsessed with you. Thank you so much for that amazing story. I'm obsessed with you. Thank you. Thank you for your amazing story, as always. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for listening. We're so obsessed with you. And thanks for listening to these awful stories. God, we're so fucked up that we're fascinated by it. I know, right? We do this to ourselves. We do this to other people who willingly put themselves through this. It blows my mind every week, honestly. Yeah. It's it's almost like a like a sadistic uh, consensual relationship, right? It's like we're both we're both going into this contract of I'm gonna tell you awful things and make you feel like shit, and you're gonna happily be like, please, sir, may I have another? Yes, I was like, we're both a little <laughs> bit uh, a little bit sadist and a little bit yeah, absolutely. Here, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you don't already, please follow us on the gram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pinopromo. You can find me at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot, period, Amy. Every six episodes, we do a True Listener Tales episode, and we always are collecting stories. So if you got any weird stories, we fucking want to hear them. We love the True Listener Tales episodes. They're among our favorites. If you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe, and please tell your friends. It definitely helps get the word out so that hopefully someday soon we can be monetized and quit our jobs and just do this for your listening pleasure. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.